welcome to I Can Make That, Conversations with Creatives. I am Katie McKinley, and I'm a self-proclaimed maker of things. My family and I live and die by the code of DIY, and naturally, we found ourselves surrounded by people who lead some pretty creative lives themselves. I've decided to stop selfishly hogging all of my brilliant and wacky friends and to start sharing them with you. Behind every finished project is a human being who went through a range of successes and failures in making and in life, and it's about time that we get to know just who those talented individuals are. Welcome back to episode two, everyone. I have no idea how long I've been following today's guest, but I believe I stumbled across her blog and Facebook group when I first started delving into sewing and making on more of a public level. So it's been quite a while now. She is and has always been a wealth of knowledge for other creative bloggers, and it's such a treat to have her joining us. My guest of the hour is Stephanie Woodson. She is the creative voice behind Swoodson Says, a blog that will guide you through many hours of sewing, crafting, embroidery projects, and lots of other creative-based things. On top of what she provides as tutorials for us, Stephanie also has a shop section on her site where she has some adorable PDF sewing patterns for sale. Stephanie is an admin for a sewing, crafting, and creative bloggers group which is a small pool of bloggers who share support, ask questions, provide insight, and simply cheer on their fellow creative friends. On top of that, Stephanie is a mama of two littles, who she's beginning to explore the balance of homeschool and work-from-home life with, all while keeping everyone happy and healthy, herself included. Welcome to I Can Make That, Stephanie. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm so excited. This is the first time I've officially heard your voice, so it's kind of fun to... <laughs> yes, I'm very... Like I've known you forever. <laughs> I'm very used to uh, operating solely by email and being able to edit <laughs> edit what I'm saying and uh, not talking. And I, once a year, I go to a creative conference and then I talk to people in real life and that's about the extent of it. So this is <laughs> this is twice a year for me this year. So I'm just going to come right out of the gate with a question that I personally have a hard time answering, but um, people almost always ask when they first meet you. So what do you do for a living and how do you explain your career and your business to people? Um, I always just say that I'm a sewing and craft blogger and sometimes people know what, what that means and they'll respond back and be like, oh, like X, Y, or Z. And, you know, they have some familiarity with the realm of crafty blogs. Uh, if somebody's curious, then I usually go further to explain how that's a job. Sometimes people are like, um, you know, <laughs> that sounds like a hobby or how do you make money, which I'm totally fine with answering. And, you know, I explain kind of the, the different ways that that is actually a business, but it's hard because it started as a hobby for me and it's a hobby for a lot of people. So I understand when people cock their heads quizzically at me when I <laughs> say that. But a lot of us have kind of a similar story too, where we've been doing this for as long as we can remember and whatever this is to each individual creative person. But um, it's just kind of essential like breathing to some of us. And we've been doing for so long that it's part of our identity. When did you first pick up a needle and thread or get behind a machine or start, start doing some of the projects that you do? Um, I first seriously learned trying to teach myself how to sew when I was pregnant with my eldest kiddo. So it was about seven years ago. I had a few failed attempts when I lived at home. Uh, I distinctly remember 
trying to make a bathing suit bottom with using like a pair of underwear as a pattern. And I know now retrospectively, I did not add any seam allowance. I had no idea what I was doing. It was a, it was a big failure uh, on my mom's machine. <laughs> so I seriously tried <laughs> learning how to sew like with some uh, actual instruction online, but, uh, about seven years ago. Is there someone in your life that has heavily influenced your creative journey? Uh, definitely my mom, as I alluded to, I kind of grew up with her sewing and crafting around me. She had a sewing space and a machine always and made a lot of things. Um, I remember her sewing, I rode horses and she would sew me show shirts and a saddle pad. And I know I volunteered her often to sew things for other people, which now I can respect is awful <laughs> when my kids <laughs> try to do it to me. Um, but I just always thought of her as, you know, she can make anything, she can do anything. And Eventually, she helped me execute some ideas in high school for refashioning, which is really what I was most interested in and still still enjoy doing. So I would come up with the idea and then she would execute it. She would sew it for me and just generally planted the creative seed, you know, putting putting the idea out there that if you can't find it, you can make it. So she definitely has had a big influence on me and I appreciate her letting me grow up in a space that encouraged that, I guess. Oh, no, that's, that's really cool to have it around you too. My mom was a, she did a lot of crafty and creative things, but she um, never did anything with apparel. So it's funny mm-hmm. that she'll still ask me today to help her sew a shirt. <laughs> I'm like, mom, but you taught me how to sew. So how are you the one doing this? That's funny. I guess being quote unquote crafty is one thing, but deciding to put yourself out there in this big, scary, wide open internet is another thing. And it's hard and it's competitive. And what got you into blogging in the first place and what keeps you around in this world? Um, I So when I did actually, after a few false starts and giving up on sewing and then eventually getting over that hump of knowing enough to sort of navigate my problems and really start enjoying it. Um, I didn't have anybody at that time in real life to share my projects with. I didn't know anybody who sewed. I could call my mom, obviously, but um, I think at that time she, I don't remember if I could, now I can text her. I'll text her pictures if I'm working on them. (laughs) But at that time, I don't think she had that capability. So I was really um, drawn to that the community aspect. I had followed a lot of sewing blogs before I actually started sewing. so I, I felt like, and it was, it was a different back then, you know, there was more, um, kind of journal type blogging and I don't think there were any Facebook groups yet. So people talked in the comments of blog posts and, and that appealed to me, you know, to connect with other people who are making things or who could give input since I didn't have that in person. And I, I didn't really have any time to seek that out in person either. Um, we moved a lot and, you know, it was hard to, <laughs> it was hard to get a dentist and a doctor set up every year and a half, let alone like finding people who liked sewing, which is a little difficult usually, I think. Um, and then eventually, and, you know, I don't really have a good sense of even when it started shifting how to make things. I started sharing tutorials. And I, you know, if you looked back at some of my first tutorials, if I haven't deleted them, I've probably deleted most of them, actually. You know, I I, I just felt like that was what you did. You shared what you made and then you shared tutorials. And I, I 
don't <laughs> like looking back, I, I don't know why I felt compelled to share these simple tutorials, but I did with terrible pictures. I used tiny little pictures because I felt like big pictures were rude, which is now, <laughs> you know, the opposite of how all blogs are. I mean, they probably were back then. I just didn't know what I was doing. And slowly it at first I just, I was like, Oh, I'll have an Amazon affiliate account and I'll, you know, link my supply list. And, you know, it made maybe like $2 a month or, or whatever. And slowly I became a little more interested in the business side of things. And it just shifted from sort of hobby into hobby and work. And probably about a year and a half ago, maybe two years ago, I really started making actual money and it shifted into more work than hobby, uh, which definitely keeps me around. You know, it gives us the flexibility. I, I had always, we hadn't planned on homeschooling. I had planned on going back to work um, at some vague point when the kids were older. And now I make definitely what I was making before uh, I worked in the nonprofit world. So that's not saying, <laughs> not saying a ton, but um, now I'm, you know, making the same salary and I'm able to stay home. We have a lot of flexibility to travel and I really enjoy it. Um, it it's still blurry between hobby and work, but I, I love people using my patterns and tutorials and it's, it's still very fun, which is nice. You know, a lot of jobs, are not necessarily fun and there's aspects that aren't fun, but I'm, I'm definitely hooked and I hope it continues to be fun and a viable career, part-time career for me. What are your favorite projects that you, I mean, not necessarily a specific one, but are, do you love doing the embroidery projects the most? I know you do a lot of refashion, which fascinates me because I don't think I have that in me like you do. <laughs> <laughs> What's your favorite thing to put out there and, and work on as a project? Um, that's a hard question. I I really, I do. And I noticed just recently, you know, I love upcycling and refashioning the most, and it's not necessarily what I do the most of. So I'm trying to shift a little bit back towards that. It, I think, especially because it, it doesn't travel, we've traveled a lot more this year. And so I've done a lot more hand embroidery projects because I can take those with me and they don't require a machine. Um, but I, I really do love starting from starting within some creative boundaries. I have X and I want to make Y or I have X and I want to figure out how to make it into something that I'll actually wear or actually use. So that's always, there's always a special boost of excitement when I have a project that I really am happy with that started out that way because I don't know, it feels, it's more, it feels like more of a creative challenge to me. It's interesting. It's unique to me. I, so I think that is definitely my favorite type of project, which is silly that I don't do it more often. Um, but yeah, like I said, I'm hoping to change that this year. Well, and I think some of your projects are a lot more on the practicality level than it is about, I, I mean, there are some really beautiful blogs out there with all these great ideas, but they're not always, what do you do with the end product sometimes? You know, you can only have so many wall hangings and so many throws on your bed. So, but yeah. you seem to find something and take it and make it in something that you would actually utilize in real life as a human person. <laughs> <laughs> I like, I like to think so. I also think when I first started blogging, um, or when I first started trying to make it into more of a career, I very much had the mindset that whatever I shared had to be unique. It had to be new and different, or what was the point of, of putting it out there? And actually as, as I've, grown more of an audience. And sometimes people ask me like, do you have a tutorial for 
a tote bag that you recommend or a scrunchie that you recommend. And a lot of times I go to look at the ones that are out there that I've always been like, oh, I'm not going to do that because, you know, there's a zillion of those, which is true, but they're not always how I would do it. Um, so I'd be sending somebody a link and I'd be like, but actually, you know, you can skip this or they didn't include that you need to do this. So I, I also... I, I feel like lately, a lot of my projects are things that are not terribly unique or complicated even, but I just want a tutorial that I feel like is the, not necessarily the quickest way, but the clearest way or has the most pictures that is really going to walk through somebody through it. Um, who's a beginner. Sometimes it's hard once you really know what you're doing to remember sort of where you get hung up. And so I try really hard to maintain that beginner mindset. And I always respond to like comments and questions on my tutorials. So I feel like that has been a little bit more sort of functional projects, but also beginner projects or projects that aren't necessarily that thrilling, but it's because I've had people asking for them. And I, I haven't always been able to find a tutorial that was exactly what I how I would want them to do it that I felt like was the easiest. And I don't want to say utilitarian, but something that would hold up too. sometimes you look at a tutorial and you know, they don't talk about finishing the edges and you think, oh, you would wash that once and it would start to fray, you know, and if you don't, if you're a beginner, you don't know that. So I, I've been trying lately to sort of fill in those gaps. I have a lot of friends who have just started sewing. And so what I would want to send to them instead of sending it to them by a text message or an email, I'm turning it into a blog post so that I can share it. I So I think of you as a Pinterest guru. That would be my... <laughs> <laughs> I am horrible on that site, specifically for marketing myself, but you seem to have it down pat and you have a lot of specific images that are shared and you do a lot of roundup posts and different things like that. Do you still see Pinterest as like the pinboard inspirational project site that it started out as? Do you enjoy being on there? Is it or does it just kind of now part of your job and what you do to promote yourself? Um, you know, I never used Pinterest. I don't feel like as just a user. I so I started using it for business. So I never used it solely for my own um, planning, you know, like a lot of people, how it's intended to be used, I suppose, as the pen board project place. Uh, but <laughs> I guess I, and I, and I just have so many ideas of my own. I, it's rare for me to use something like that. I have a few like secret boards. So I guess I do use it in that way for decor, but I don't have that on my public profile because it very much is just a part of my job for me. I, I do like it as a blogger who wants traffic to my site. And I, I definitely appreciate the traffic that it sends me and try to stay active there. And I, sometimes it does let me bump into new blogs. I still like following other blogs. I still use other people's tutorials and patterns, which um, is a questionable tactic from the work <laughs> aspect, because obviously that doesn't, it doesn't build my business, but I enjoy it. And I have fun using other people's tutorials. So every once in a while, I bump into somebody new and I'm like, Oh, that's an exciting project. I'm glad I saw that. But really, I'm just I'm just using it because I have to for, <laughs> for my job. I have enough ideas usually of my own to uh, fuel my creative time. But I, I know a lot of people have complaints about spam and things like that. So I, I think I'm hoping that they turn that around because I, 
I know a lot of people have strayed from using it when people steal the pictures and redirect it to their sites and everything like that, which is a shame. Yeah, I actually, I have a love-hate relationship with Pinterest, mostly because as a as a person who puts things on their own blog, sometimes as a tutorial, and you know, you spend hours like coming up with the planning, take like going through the steps of the of the completed project and taking pictures of it and then explaining it and editing it. And then someone will say, oh, I saw this on Pinterest. I'm like, no, you didn't. <laughs> this came from a specific blogger, you know, like Pinterest gets all the credit for it. Sometimes, yeah, and so that's true. It can be a blog eat blog world is what I would like to say. Uh, sometimes people view this blogging thing as a competitive market and they literally will not share any secrets to success. They, you know, they just keep it all locked up. And a lot of times I've seen a lot of beef between different bloggers, but you seem to kind of take the opposite approach where you're more of an open book. Um, I mean, you even on your blogs sometimes share what you make this month or um, I, you gave me a lead one time to a, a site that did like paid promotional work and stuff. So I feel like you, you provide leads and opportunities to other people and why is your approach that way? Why did you choose to go, you know, sharing for other bloggers and inside information uh, instead of rather like kind of honing in and, and keeping it all to yourself? Mm, I So I'm not competitive by as a personality trait. <laughs> it drives my husband nuts when we play board games. <laughs> I'm just not competitive. So that's a, probably a big part of it. It just, it's not my first instinct to guard uh, information, but I do go, I would say, go out of my way to try and share things. I love connecting people with opportunities, uh, just in all facets of my life. People who know me are forever getting emails of with me saying, I read this and I thought of you, or <laughs> I, I think you might really like this. I just, I like connecting people with things that I think is a good fit for them, which is true of blogging too. I, I want everybody to, to succeed. I so, I feel so thrilled that it has become uh, you know, a true job for me. I, I enjoy it. I want it to work for other people. I guess I don't see it as sort of a zero sum environment, which I, I, I guess it is to some extent, if depending on what your goals are, a company might be looking to work with four people. So if you connect them to one of those people and bump yourself off, I guess maybe you're sort of eating your own. But I, I, I that just does not, it's not how my brain works. I really like the phrase and hopefully I'm not butchering it, but you get the gist of it in that a rising tide lifts all ships. The more craft blogs that and sewing blogs that are building their audiences and getting people involved in crafting and sewing and excited about crafting and sewing is good for all of us. We all share. There are definitely instances where we, my friends and peers share similar things and we are genuinely competing for Google traffic for a certain search term or what have you. But I think in general, a lot of it just everything that is if it's working for everybody, it's working for everybody. You know, I like, I also get a lot of shared information. I've had great opportunities from other bloggers that they had no reason to share with me that have had really positive impacts on my career. And I'm not going to name anybody because I don't want to forget anybody. <laughs> I would feel really guilty. But yeah, I, I like, I get personal gratification from doing that and seeing other people succeed somebody emailing me and being like, Oh, I started working with your ad company and it's just totally changed, you know, my budget and our, this is 
such a big deal for me. Or I started working with that company that you saw that post and I just loved it. I love that. You know, that's, that's exciting for me. I like seeing other people succeed. Yeah. It just, that is sort of my natural personality. And also I, I appreciate when people reciprocate, like I said, I've had other people do that for me. I think it's hard to, it's hard to suss out people who are actually being helpful versus people who are trying to make money off of helping you. There's a whole subset of bloggers who make money telling you how to blog, which is totally legitimate. And I have bought courses and I've bought books and I've been very happy with them. I don't mean to imply that they're, you know, frauding, defrauding anybody, <laughs> but it, it's, it's hard when, it, you know, there's affiliate programs involved and people make money by referring you to certain things. And I do too, but, um, it, it, it can be hard to get started and to know what's what. And so I, I always, yeah, I always want to help people who are getting started or people who even are just trying to make it more of a business, because I think it can be difficult to navigate those things, especially when there's all those complications involved. And I have done, I haven't done the income reports recently. It's ironic that the more money I actually make, uh, the, the less I do them, which is usually the inverse. People usually do them when they're making lots of money and trying to get other people to, um, <laughs> you know, do things like them or buy their book about blogging. But I don't, I have not, I have zero interest in trying to blog about blogging. And so it really has just not made sense to dedicate a ton of time to the income reports as I've gotten busier with things that are in line with what I want to be doing and making me money. So I do them every once in a while. I'll probably do one at the end of the year. But yeah, I used to do them re religiously back when I was making literally pennies. <laughs> so sometimes if people are like, Oh gosh, that it just seems so far off that you're you know, making so much money and this is this is so unattainable. I'm like, well, go back and look. You can pour through these these income reports where I was making very, very little money and probably still putting the same amount of time in. I just didn't, you know, didn't know what I was doing and wasn't as strategic. Has being this open for your followers and friends and I guess um, competitors, has, has it ever backfired on you? Um, not that I'm aware of. <laughs> I'm sure it could have <laughs> and I just did not um, come to my attention. I do have to be a little more careful as I've worked with more companies in that I, a lot of times the contracts I sign uh, stipulate that I can't, I can't share details of my contract, which means I, I can't talk about how much I'm making. So I have to be careful in that way because that could really backfire on me unintentionally, just that I was trying to share information with other people. And I legally was not allowed to, but thankfully that has, that has not happened, but that has also made me be a little more cautious. Um, but yeah, per, like personal on a personal level, relationship level, I've, I've not, I'm not aware of any instance in which that has backfired on me, but maybe it has happened. You know, somebody got picked for something because of something I said, and I beat myself out of the group. I don't know. <laughs> uh, what would you say is your absolute favorite part of your creative career? Having people tell me that they dug out their machine or tried something new because of me. I just absolutely love it. It never gets old. Uh, sometimes people will say, oh, sorry, you know, sorry to, to waste your time or I just had to email you. And I love hearing that. I can't imagine how many people like how many emails would I have to get for that to feel annoying <laughs> for that to wear off. It'd have to be like hundreds a day, which has never happened. Obviously, I'm not Oprah, but um yeah, I just love that. I had somebody who I used to know in high school 
And uh, we were never that close, but at some point she found my blog and started following me and and now has used some of my patterns and tutorials and t- she, you know, she took the time to just say, Hey, you really inspired me to learn how to start sewing. And she's made some of my projects. And that is just so, I love that feeling. I just love it because it can be really easy. I think when, especially with Pinterest to sort of scroll around or Instagram and you feel like you're being creative because you're looking at all these other creative projects, but you're consuming, you're not creating. And uh, so anytime that what I'm sending out into the world is sparking somebody else to create instead of consume. That feels good to me. I, I enjoy that thoroughly. That's definitely my favorite part for sure. I always think it's funny when people look at me and they say, Oh, you're just so crafty. You're so creative. I'm just not good at that. And I'm always like, but when did you actually try to do it? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It definitely, it's hard. Like I said, I feel like you feel creative when you're looking at other people's stuff and you're like, Oh, I, I'm really feeding my soul here, but I, I don't, I don't think it works the same way. Yeah. You have to get your hands dirty and, and mess around with it and be willing to make mistakes too. I think sometimes people say, Oh, I try, you know, I tried my, I tried my sewing machine once and it, it, didn't, it didn't go well. I'm like, Oh, I had to try it a lot of times before I felt confident in what I was knew what I was doing. And I think that's a hard part about teaching yourself by internet instead of having a lot of people around you in person. The learning curve is is steeper. And I think it's easier to drop off when you don't have somebody right at the ready to be like, Hey, what do you think is going wrong here? Do you have two little people at home that call you mom? And like you said earlier, you're starting to explore homeschooling with them all while balancing, you know, basic child rearing and relationships (laughs) and your creative endeavors. So what are the biggest challenges with the full-time mom work from home and now homeschooling life? I would say trying to tease out uh, the the different components. So they, my kids know I sew and I have sewed with my kids. And so it's, it's hard sometimes often, but anything they see or anything that pops in their head, Oh mom, can you make that? Can you make that for me? Can we make that together? Can we sew that? So if, if I made everything that popped into their head or they talked about, you know, that would be a full-time job. They just, they're super creative little people. I adore them. I love hearing what comes out of their mouth, but it's hard to say, you know, I don't have a strict schedule written out of these are the hours that we are X and these are the hours that we are Y. And I like that flexibility. And but at the same time, it provides a bigger challenge of, well, when do I work on something that's just for me? Or when, when do I sew a gift for my friend that that isn't for work, but it it's just for fun? And when do I when when do I carve out the time to sew this? I don't know. <laughs> purple dragon with wings and a unicorn horn costume that my daughter's decided she wants. So it's weighing those, those decisions. Excuse me. There's only 24 hours in a day, you know, trying to decide uh, what, what's work and what's hobby and what's fun with the kids and carving out time for all of those things is, is really difficult for me. I have not figured out the, the best way to, <laughs> to approach all of that so far, but hopefully. You seem to be doing a pretty good job, though. Everyone's still, you know, alive and thriving. So yes, this is true. For that, I am thankful. And they, my husband is super supportive. Um, he makes it easy. A lot of times, things come up with a short notice, and you know, like I got to work this weekend. Is that okay? And cereal for dinner, sort of thing. So I'm, I'm thankful for for his support, and he makes it a lot easier than I 
I think it would otherwise be. <laughs> um, well, you have obviously a lot of things that you are good at, but what are you not very good at? There are a lot of things that I am not very good at. <laughs> um, I went through a a long time ago, I had a long running experiment where I tried something new every month and I enjoy and invited my audience along with to varying degrees of of success. And I so I can now tell you that I am very terrible at wood burning. Um, my hands shake. I have essential tremor. So like it's basically a fancy name for like my handshake and uh, there's no good reason why. Um, and wood burning and shaking hands do not combine well. It just it did not, did not go over well. That is not in my crafting future. Uh, and anything really with counting, I, I use, I have, I have knitted in the past. I've never crocheted. Cross stitch is very difficult for me because I just don't retain numbers well. I, that's what I love about embroidery. You know, you can pick it up and set it down and you don't have to remember how many stitches you took or where you stopped in a pattern. It's just, you, know, you just go with the flow. So anything that involves remembering numbers, if how many stitches or I don't know what you call knitting loops. I, <laughs> I don't know. It's been a long time since I tried to knit. I just, that's not a strength of mine. I avoid those very much. So is there part of the creative process that you wish you could skip over completely? Hmm. I think that my answer would be two parts for that. When it comes to just making, so just me making separate from the blog, I really do not like the prep process. I don't like having to pre-wash and iron and getting all my materials. If I could just click my fingers and have that stuff already, I would be thrilled. I'm impatient. Once I decide I want to do something, I just want to dive in, um, which is not not smart. So <laughs> I don't do that. I do pre-wash and blah, 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 but I don't enjoy it. And from blogging, I absolutely hate taking pictures, which is really unfortunate because that is a huge part of <laughs> being more successful in blogging is taking better pictures. So it feels it is very much a mental chore for me to think about my camera settings and staging photos. If you ever look at my Instagram, you're like, oh, she's got like props and stuff. You know, it's not just something sunk on a white black background that represents a lot of mental work for me. I just don't I just don't think that way. I, I don't. It does not come naturally to me to sort of have these artfully arranged random sewing notions around a finished project. <laughs> but those those pictures do much better. Um, so I do it, but I hate it. And I do not. I do not enjoy it at all. I am not a I am. I'm right there with you. I am not good at flat lays. <laughs> I do not like having to think ahead of time to take pictures. I just want to be like, here, look what I made. Mm -hmm. Check it out. And then like move along. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm the same way. If I could just snap pictures with my phone and be like, check it out. Like you can tell, you know, you can tell <laughs> that it's a cool project. It's just not a very good photo. But unfortunately, that does not fly anymore. Well, if money and time were not an obstacle, what do you think you'd be doing right now? Would you be outsourcing some of that work that you don't like or would you be, <laughs> what would be your next big, you know, big idea for your blog if you didn't have to worry about, you know, the not fun parts of it? That's a hard question. I would love to do some more, some eBooks. Um, I've been talking about it for a long time and I have not 
made any real efforts towards doing it, it's very easy, which I'm sure you can relate with, uh, to get sucked into sort of always just doing the next thing that has to be done. You know, just the main keeping keeping the the, the hearth fire going, the things that you have to do every week. I send a newsletter every week. I, you know, getting the next newsletter done, getting a blog post on for the week, and then oh, it's the next week. You know, oh, I have a deadline. It's really easy to get sort of sucked into just the the daily grind. So I, I'm working on brainstorming ways to carve out extra time because I'd love to do an ebook. Um, I'd especially love to outsource all the photography for an ebook. I don't think that would happen. But if money and time were not an obstacle. I sure certainly would do that and just hire somebody else out to make it look beautiful or hire somebody to do all my my video editing. I've been trying to do more video lately and it's just like pulling teeth, trying to sort of switch my brain over gears from editing photos into editing video. And uh, yeah, I'd love to hire all that. Get a housekeeper, get a chef. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I just do the making part. I'd hire all the other stuff out. Well, this is a really random thing and kind of off topic, but I was reading through your uh, your bios on like your website and stuff, and I saw this really interesting piece about you that you used to, as a hobby of yours, you used to enter sweepstakes. It's true. <laughs> That's really interesting. So how how does that even become a hobby to someone? Um, yeah, I, I actually wrote a really, if anybody is listening and curious for a lot more information, I wrote uh, a long piece about it on uh, Abby Glassenberg's While She Naps blog about how I, I shifted from that as a hobby into sewing. But uh, it, so I was, we, we moved a lot, I've already said, and we we're living somewhere and I knew we were going to leave in a year and a half again. And I had trouble finding a job. I'm always, I was always really upfront with organizations and saying, you know, I know we're going to be leaving. I, I'll try to make it worth it, but I, I'm not going to be here longer than a year and a half. And nobody in Kansas City was had any interest in that. They were just like, no, thanks. So I was trying to cobble together jobs. I wasn't just going to sit around the house. Um, I wish now that I had been (laughs) a blogger then because I could have got a lot done, but I I was not at that point. So I uh, started entering sweepstakes. I don't remember how I first heard about it. Maybe uh, I I honestly don't remember, but yeah, it's this whole subculture. It still exists. Every once in a while I peek in and I'll I'll enter one or two just just for the fun of it. But it's this whole subculture of people who find sweepstakes put on by companies and and enter them um, in mass. They they do they enter a ton of them, and they are legitimate. And somebody has to win. And there's like forums and Facebook groups for people sharing their wins. And it's it, yeah, it's this whole fun little subculture. It was very easy. It's very brainless. You just enter your information in, and then you weed through your you know everything you enter and puts you on somebody's newsletter. So then you weed through your emails at the end of the day. But yeah, so it was fun and it was easy to do while watching TV. And I, I so I did that. And then I also worked promotional events. Like if you go to the mall and somebody's handing out samples or trying to get you to do some silly game for their new product or like I helped people test drive cars some one time. So you get paid to basically just no, do whatever random event accompanies sponsoring. So I, I cobbled together things like that and surveys and mystery shopping. So all these like weird little niches cobbled together into a, a actual full-time salary when you added it all up. 
so yeah, that, that was, um, a part job, part hobby for me for like a year and a half. And it was fun. You get this big burst of adrenaline when you open your email or you get a phone call and like you've won, you know, and sometimes it's like a can of Coke or whatever, but sometimes it's something really exciting. I think my biggest prize, I don't remember if I put this on my, my bio or not was, um, $10,000. So it was this super thrilling, exciting win from CBS. And I, I haven't topped that, unfortunately. Yeah, that would be a hard one to top. <laughs> yeah, I know. Now I mostly enter. I, I have like little alerts set up. Um, so I enter for trips. So if I ever want a trip, I'll be over the moon. But <laughs> but yeah, it, it's a it's an interesting subculture. I it, It's a lot of fun. I won a lot of stuff for our wedding. Um, so I, you know, won the flowers and I won, I don't remember what else, something else. So it, 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 it was interesting, but people do really win those things. So if anybody's looking for a brainless hobby while they're watching TV and they don't want to embroider, um, it's a fun world. Well, I would find that something surprising to learn about you, but uh, I guess I'll leave it with one more opportunity for you to tell us something a little wacky or different or, or surprising about yourself. Um, what is something that you've got like a hidden talent or a guilty pleasure or what you wanted to be when you grew up or something that people wouldn't necessarily know just by knowing you today? I, I'm not that interesting. I'm not that surprising, but I do think uh, it doesn't come across very often. A big part of my life in high school was horseback riding. I actually just commented on somebody else in the sewing world's Instagram. She posted a picture of her in her 4-H gear. She was, I was like, oh, that looks so familiar. So I spent a lot of time in high school. Um, I sort of partially, I worked with a, a barn owner and we had scooped ponies out of fields and buy them and I would work and train them to be sort of child friendly and then we'd resell them and I saved all the profits for college and I had my own horse who I trained and I rode in 4-H and did sort of lower level hunter so like English so I had like the black helmet on and the tall black boots and and all that so that was a big part of my life and I really miss it every once in a while I'll take the kids somewhere that has people horseback riding for whatever reason, you know, we just went to medieval times, you know, whatever it is. And it's just like this twinge, like this big chunk of my life that I don't, I don't do anymore, but there's unfortunately just so many hours in a day and horses sort of are an all, all consuming passion and hobby. You kind of have to be all in or all out. If you just show up once a week, I did try to just show up once a week and sort of lease somebody's horse and ride, but I was just sore all the time. <laughs> My muscles like never got strong enough at once a week. I just was, yeah, it wasn't the same as when I was in high school and could go out every night and, and everything like that. So yeah, I don't think that comes up in conversation very often, but I love it and I miss it. And I'm always happy. Anybody, somebody wants to talk horse with me. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Stephanie, for spending time with me today. It's been a lot of fun getting to know you better. And for everyone out there listening, thank you also for joining us for the second episode of I Can Make That Conversations with Creatives. I will leave links in my blog post as well, but you can find Stephanie all over the World Wide Web at swoodsonsays.com and on Facebook, Pinterest, Twitter, and Instagram as at Says. 
Thank you for tuning in to I Can Make That, Conversations with Creatives. Transcripts from this episode, along with links and more information about today's guests, can be found at www.wildandwonderful.com. See you next time, creatives.